of the work, and you are listening to the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks Podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. You will listen. Resistance is futile. You must comply. Pod Fleet Command Travel Office in Northern New England. It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant, your independent Star Trek podcast. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Trek Geeks. We're so excited you're here for this pre-Star Trek Las Vegas episode, and uh, it's going to be a great time. We're going to talk about one of the most loved episodes of the original series, and well, what better person to do that with than my travel companion to STLV? He's the uh, the very tired and and moved Dan Davidson. Dan, um, you're coming to us from a different location today. I am. The new uh, studio is up and running at my new home, which we closed on just a few days ago. I apologize if there's a little bit of echo because the studio is not yet decorated with all of my Star Trek accoutrement. So. Ooh. So it will be soon, but uh, I thought it was more important to get all the network up and running so that we could record, and I'll deal with decorating uh, when we get back from SDLV. <laughs> <laughs> I am so psyched. It's going to be a great time. And congratulations on Aries Studio 2.0, the yes. second studio to bear the name Aries that actually produces Star Trek content. Good on you, mate. I love it. And also what's great is is I have good service here in the new uh, the new house. I just turned to my left and my lovely bride brought me a margarita. So thanks, honey. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's I, pretty I, awesome. I got to get in on this. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, here we go. Margarita, Dan, piece of the action. Oh, it's going to be fun. Well, uh, while you're still sober, why don't you tell the good folks at home and maybe those who are on their way to Star Trek Las Vegas right now, how they can uh, send us their well wishes and margarita recipes. Absolutely. It's very easy to get in touch with us, as always. Uh, head right on over to trekgeeks.com slash contact, and you'll find a whole bunch of ways that you can send us any thoughts or messages. Uh, you can leave us a voicemail. You can Skype chat us. You can fill out the contact form and leave us a message. Uh, or you can click the big blue button on the right side of the website and leave us a message using SpeakPipe. And hey, you know, STLV is just coming up in a matter of hours. Some people are already there. So we would love it if you would join our official Facebook group, Camp Kittimer, and post some pictures and some topics, uh, Star Trek topics, anything about STLV or non-STLV if you want. Um, you're going to get 
all kinds of cool things for being a member of Camp Kittimer, including the new Friday commute celebration. Uh, and I will say that there will be a special Wednesday version of that. Shh. And uh, you're also going to get early access to the Trek Geeks podcast just for being a member of Camp Kittimer. So head right over, head right on over to facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer. You'll be let right in by one of our wonderful admins and you'll be able to take part in all of the fun. But uh, please remember that any comments or messages that you leave us in any of these places may be used in a future episode, William. Wow, you got all formal on me. Only my mom did that. I, uh, <laughs> I don't know what to do with this information. Um, the other thing I'm very excited about at STLV is the entire Camp Kittimer staff is going to be under one roof for the first time since a couple of years ago. So we're going to get to uh, have some fun with the amazing folks that uh, that help us with Camp Kittimer, Heather, Jackie, and Dan. And uh, it's going to be a great, great weekend, buddy. That's fantastic. I've also heard, I got a call from a friend of mine and uh, Guy Fieri might show up this year too. Just, really? Uh, it's a possibility. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I, I'll have to pull a few strings. I think we might be able to do it. I can't wait to see what Guy has in store and uh, maybe he'll make an appearance at the fan sets party Friday night. You never know. Oh, we'll find out, won't we? <laughs> Dan, it's time for the news from treknews.net. Spanning the Alpha Quadrant. For Alda news on Alda Star Trek's yo. It's treknews.net. I didn't know we were going to break it down there. Online. At treknews.net. Dan, um, uh, we know there's Star Trek Las Vegas coming uh, in just mere hours, but there's some other stuff going on this week. And up first in gaming news, Star Trek Online has been making some headlines. Yeah, they sure have. Um, we've already spoken in recent episodes about their latest expansion for Star Trek Online, which celebrates the 25th anniversary of Deep Space Nine with Victory is Life an expansion that actually reunited several cast members to do voice work. So that was pretty cool. Well, they're still at it as the next, the next expansion was announced uh, just last week, and it will be tied to the newest Star Trek series, Star Trek discovery. It will be called age of discovery and lending her voice talent will be the one and only cadet Tilly herself, Mary Wiseman. And she's not actually a cadet anymore. Is she? I guess we got to figure that out. Well, who knows where this <laughs> takes place? It could take place while she's still a cadet. Well, it's actually interesting that you say that, sir, because I have an official expansion description for you right now. Oh, let's hear it. <laughs> Age of Discovery opens in the year 2256, just after the battle at the Binary Stars. In the wake of a brutal war against the Klingons, Starfleet captains must face Jula, matriarch of the House of Mokai and sister of Takuvma, who seeks to alter the destiny of the Alpha Quadrant. Players will need to rely on the help of fellow Starfleet Academy cadet Sylvia Tilly, who has come home to assist with training and see them off on their first assignment. From there, they'll journey to iconic locations from Star Trek Discovery like the Dilithium Mines of Corvan II, explore the new experimental Crossfield-class starship, the USS Glenn, 
and defend Starbase One from a fearsome attack by the Klingon House of Dagore. Wow. I, mm-hmm. uh, as usual, Star Trek Online is killing it. I can't wait to see this expansion. It's going to be fun. I um, there's some really cool things there. I'd love to see the Corvin two thing. And well, we all know. Well, those of us who watch Star Trek Discovery know what happens to Starbase One. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and you know, I got to say, we've talked about it a little bit. We haven't gotten to play Star Trek Online as much as I would like, of course, with the move and everything coming up uh, or just taking place. But I totally plan on it. And and anybody who has not played Star Trek Online, you got to check it out. It is fantastic. It completely immerses you into the Star Trek universe. And uh, I can't give it an up thumbs up. It's it's awesome. And I can't wait to get back into it. That's awesome, buddy. Um, up next from the cool things I would like to have department <laughs> is an interesting new product for, I don't know, maybe listening to Trek Geeks or discovering Trek. I like the way you think, man. Yeah, our friends over at Think Geek who really have awesome Star Trek merchandise just released, Bill, get this, the Vulcan wireless earbuds. That's right. The earbuds that are $39 come with an inline microphone and one click button to answer and end calls, adjust volume and control music, just like any normal earbuds were. But they are specifically color matched to Spock's Vulcan skin tone makeup from the original series. (laughs) And they come with three sizes of silicone ear tips so that you can be a Vulcan listening to your favorite podcast. I think this is just very cool. And uh, according to ThinkGeek, when it's fully charged or when they're fully charged, because there are two of them, uh, you'll be able to get up to five hours of talk or listening time. So that is that's kind of cool. The picture's quite funny. So you can actually we could we if we got these early enough, we could be sitting on the plane with Vulcan ears listening to things uh, on the way to STLV. If we'd played our cards right, we could have had Vulcan ears that didn't have earbuds. True dat. True. <laughs> did you just true dat me while you were drinking your margarita? I did. I did indeed. <laughs> yeah, you're going to need a couple more of those. Um, I think that's pretty exciting. It's it's interesting that they matched it to Leonard um, because it's going to look like you've got two tone ears, <laughs> which I, I think is cool. Don't get me wrong, um, but that doesn't mean I'm 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 going to not get them. <laughs> You look pretty good with your Vulcaneers last year, I must say. I got to tell you, that was one of the most fun things I ever did, having uh, uh, Lisa Hansel and Tim Vitito, uh, f- who did the makeup in Star Trek Continues, do my Vulcaneers and brows for last year. It was a bunch of fun. And if I were cosplaying this year, I would consider it, but maybe next year. All right. I like it. Dan, speaking of STLV, as it is looming ever closer, and it's about as close as you can get without actually being there. Mm-hmm. We are truly ecstatic and excited for the second annual Fan Geeks party with our friends at Fansets. And as we saw announced this week and a couple of weeks ago, and Mm. as we've been talking about since time immemorial, it seems, because the wait has been forever, we are going to have a special pin for all attendees that come to the party. Yeah, uh, it really is good. And we can talk about it every week, uh, even after the party is over, because they're just awesome. Very special second annual Fan Geeks party pin. Everybody who comes to this party, which will be Friday night, August 3rd at the other room uh, at Caesars Palace from 8 to 11 p.m. Pacific time, will get one of these amazing pins. It looks just like the iconic Welcome to Las Vegas sign that everybody has seen uh, in Vegas and in the movies. it, it is it, the the guys at Fansets did just a remarkable job on this pin um, to commemorate this fantastic evening that you and I are going to MC, 
and we're going to be giving away so much stuff. I, I can't even tell you about it. Least of which, as we've talked about, will be an autographed William Shatner autograph series pin from Fansets. I still shake my head and marvel at that. One of those authentically hand-signed pins by he who will always be James T. Kirk, William Shatner, is going to be given away at our party. <laughs> it is, And like we've talked about, it's not a facsimile. It's not like he signed one and then they just made 100 copies. He signed 100 of these pins when Lou and John and Dan got to meet him um, a month or so ago. And uh, they are going to be for, uh, for sale a certain number every day at – uh, at STLV in the vendor's room, but somebody at the party on Friday night is going to win one for free just for being there and being cool and answering a Trek Geeks trivia question. Well, and that's it. We're going to play Stump the Geek with everybody there. It's going to be fantastic. I can't wait. You can't wait. We all can't wait. Um, and the questions are going to be easier than we normally give to you. I would Let's hope so. That. Yeah. Uh, that would probably not be a, a good idea to do the questions that you usually give me. Yeah, because we want people to win pins. Mm. So if you're not coming thinking, you know, well, the questions are going to be too hard. No. Plus, you can have the entire crowd help you if you want. We just want to give a bunch of pins away. Lots of pins. Captain sets, Discovery pins. The entire, remember the awesome line of pins that came out for Discovery Season 1 with depicting every episode? Yes. Yeah, somebody's getting a set of that. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, well, our friends at Fansets have outdone themselves once again. And Dan, you had the opportunity to speak to our good friend, Lou Halbeth, and talk more about this year's party. So well, here we are. We're oh my gosh, we're we're less than than uh, we're in single digits for uh, the trek out to STLV uh, for the big big convention coming out there. And as everyone knows, we're going to be having a special party uh, while we're out there in Las Vegas. And I thought, who better to bring on to talk about that party than the one and only. Lou Halbeth from Fansets. Yes, Lou is here with us right now. We're going to talk about Fan Geeks Part 2. And Lou, my man, I am looking forward to this party like you would not even believe. Dan, it's the Fan Geeks Party Season 2 premiere. It's a one-episode <laughs> thing, but we're going to go out of our way to make it the best single episode in the history of parties on the Las Vegas Strip. Thank you for having me on on behalf of Dan and John, uh, we're, we're, we love you guys. You are our original group and th this can't get any better. I, I, it, I don't, I got goosebumps talking about this. It, <laughs> the, it feels like it's going to be 50 years before we get down there now. It's it's great. Uh, the, the three of you guys have always been so great to us. We love the relationship that we have with you over at Discovering Trek. And we had such a blast last year. And, and we had so much fun that Bill couldn't even be here with us right now to talk about what we're talking about. He's so excited. He's at home packing or, or combing his hair or something. I don't know what it is, but that's okay. We wanted to have you come on the show um, to have a little special segment to talk about what's going to happen next Friday night, August 3rd. Uh, at the other room at the forum shops at Caesars Palace from 8 to 11 p.m. Pacific time. I think we got something going on that's going to be pretty freaking awesome. Well, by all accounts, we are going to blow the top off of last year, not only with the gifts we're giving away and the prizes for in the drawings, but I think we're going to blow it away with the number of people that are showing up. 
Dan, it, it's it, this word is spreading like crazy. I can't tell you how many people are messaging me, emailing me, saying, "Hey, I'm coming to the party. Looking forward to it." I, you know, it's not single digits. It's it's twenty, thirty, forty people, and and you look at the people who have uh, committed to coming on the uh, event page. I, I think we're going to put one hundred and fifty mm. people in this party. See, now I'm getting stage fright. You're scaring me a little bit. Because I, you know, because Bill and I are going to be up there trying to do our thing, and and I'm going to be looking out at this sea of people, all expecting me to to be as cool as you, and I just don't think that's possible. Well, you know, that's <laughs> I I am the uh, the the pin pimp mm. of Colorado, so <laughs> I, it it is tough to be as cool as me, but I think you guys can pull it off because, well, you guys do this for a sort of a living, but. Yeah, I mean, we yeah. let, let's talk about the goodies we've got. So uh, we have. Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah, the the captain set. We're going to give away a fiftieth uh, uh, anniversary captain set uh, with with a really low number. All of these will be low numbered sets. We kind of set aside uh, for the, these kind of wow. deals, and and we we knew mm-hmm. that this year was the year. You, you, you remember last year, Dan, when we were riding over and you guys were in the back of the van that didn't have seats in it. And I was, I was shaking the wheel back and forth and you and <laughs> you and Bill were bouncing off the sides of the van. It was, I wish I, that would have been, that I remember that. Been the best karaoke you guys have ever done. If you could have sang during that, but we were, uh-huh. remember on the way over there, we were like, God, I, I hope 10 people show up. I, so we're just not looking at yes. each other and, and yeah. they just kept coming and coming mm-hmm. and coming. Well, I think this year we're going to crush that. And this year we knew that this is, this is where we drive the stake in the ground for the party so that it's there for years to come. We, we ha- hopefully will have the, uh, the problem of looking for a new place next year because, uh, you know, we're going to be talking about 300 people coming to the party. So, uh, so we have to let, to get back to, we have the captain set from the 50th anniversary, which features the five captains. We're going to do, a uh, 25th sure. anniversary next generation set. We're going to do a uh, 20, a, I'm sorry, a 30th anniversary next generation set, a 25th anniversary. You knew I I'd knew you'd, that, didn't you? Yeah. I knew you'd correct it. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> a 25th anniversary <laughs> DS9 set. And I just got the pins in today. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I oh, just, yeah? you know, no more oh. pictures. We have actual pins in hand. Thank God. And they look, Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. This will rival any of the, the master sets we've done. It's just an absolute beauty. Uh, but to go on, uh, we're going to give away a framed, uh, episode set from Disco of all the, uh, we have, we, we, we have a background wow. done that's a discovery background, uh, specifically so that you can put pins on it or characters or ships. You can mix and match it however you want, but we're going to give away a frame season set from, uh, episode guides. Uh, for disco, uh, we have the, uh, Cisco STLV, uh, poker chip pin, which will be premiering this year w- to go along with last year's data, uh, poker chip pin, which is just Beautiful. absolutely gorgeous. Uh, we awesome. will have, and then, and then the really special stuff we're going to have will be a, uh, a t- in commemoration of our to boldly go color TV set, uh, pin that we did. We had so many people who said, hey, I, that, that's a great pin. But my first year of Star Trek in 1966 was on that TV set, but it was a black and white screen. 
So John jumped all over that and we've produced just a hundred of these black and of the same pin, but done in black and white to commemorate mm-hmm. the 1966 wow. uh, uh, beginning of the show. Uh, those will be, we'll, we're going to give one of those away. And then last but not least, uh, the launching of our autograph pin line with, that we did with Mr. William Shatner will be an, a hand signed, not a rep, not a replica signature, but a hand signed, mm-hmm. uh, William Shatner pin that there's only a hundred of those in existence. Those will be retired after, after STLV. And we're very excited about launching this new pin, this new style of pin into our line. He's the first and we're, we're in talks with other actors. We'll, we'll probably have a discovery pin not too far down the road and we'll have, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, we're very excited. So it, it's loaded. On top of that, we're going to be giving away, uh, crew set. So you can win the crew of the original series, the crew of DS9. We're going to have a boxed framed, uh, disco set of the character pins so that it, you don't have to have the episode pins. It'll have all the characters and the ships in it. So it's, we're just loaded to bear. And on top of that, and you've held this oh, in boy. your hand. You can tell the listeners just how incredibly <laughs> cool this year they are. This year, rather than, well, we will have the grab box where you get to reach in and get a free pin when you come in. But to, to actually mm-hmm. do it right, we decided that this year that the geeks and the, the fan set people have to have their own party pin. And you've seen it. It's an incredible pin. <laughs> And everyone who comes to the show will get one of those pins or to the party will get one of those pins. And it's just uh, uh, unbelievable. And on top of that, man, I feel like Monty Hall. I need, I need Carol Merrill and a curtain behind me. (laughs) Um, On top of that, we have signed, signed uh, copies of books from Mr. Dayton Ward that will be given away. Yes. What? uh, Some of this stuff you, uh, we have uh, actual lithograph from John Eaves. And let me tell you, I mean, th- these guys have turned out, people are turning out saying, hey, how can I get, get something in to deal to give away? Um, it's just been phenomenal. We met, we met Tim Ross at uh, the Estes Park Comic Con, and he autographed uh, some of his mm-hmm. music, CD musics from himself. That, yes, that we're going to be giving those oh, away. Cool. We can even play those in while, while we're there if we wanted to, along with Five Year Mission. But yeah, so I mean, oh, that's fantastic. I don't know if there's going to be time for you guys to actually talk because we're going to be giving away so much stuff. <laughs> it's I don't know, I'm, <laughs> overwhelming. No, 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 but no. Nobody wants to hear us talk. Yes. They have well, to listen to us every week, right? People love to hear you guys. So I don't know, but I will. <laughs> Well, thank you. I appreciate that. What's what's amazing as you're going through this list is just the uh, we've all talked about the quality of the pins. Um, these are just unbelievable sets that you're talking about. And I will say also that um, Bill and I have had the pleasure and opportunity to hold and see and feel the special Fan Geeks party. And and I got to tip my hat to you guys. Um, it looks just like that famous Welcome to Las Vegas sign. And it's got Fan Geeks on it. And it's the second annual 
And both Bill and I are extremely humble to be part of this. We love it. We love the fact that we now have this pin that we'll have uh, each year that we do the party. And, and we can't wait to have our Star Trek family all together at this only Star Trek party on the entire Las Vegas Strip. That's just mind-blowing in itself. Uh, it's going to be a great, great time. And we hope everybody comes to the party. If you're listening to this podcast, invite a friend. If you're at STLV, bring somebody with you because we're going to blow the roof off Caesar's Palace. It's going to be Caesar's <laughs> Palace is going to have permanent air conditioning when we get done. No roof. It's going to have a skylight. It's it's really amazing. Now, also want to let people know that there is no cover charge for coming to this. It is absolutely free. Um, they're going to have discounts on drinks and food uh, at the other room. So, like Lou said, come on by. We'll have a great time. It's going to be all Star Trek. Uh, we're going to have we're going to have stump the geek with the audience. That's how you're going to win some of these fantastic things that Lou had mentioned uh, just a little while ago. So, again, just a reminder. The other room at the Forum Shops at Caesars Palace. It's going to be Friday night, August 3rd from 8 to 11. Uh, MC'd by myself and my good friend Bill Smith from the Trek Geeks podcast and Discovering Trek. And, of course, Lou and John and and the wives and kids and family and friends and everybody will be there uh, from Fansets um, just having a great time. We can't wait. And, Lou, I can't wait to see you again, man. It's been far too long, and, and I'm really looking forward to the night. We we treasure our relationship with Trek Geeks and Discovering Trek. We're part proud to be part of uh, your family, uh, and we cannot wait for the party with our Star Trek family. The, the Star Trek family reunion, as I like to call it, is, is just days away. Thank you for having me on, Dan, and we, we can't wait to see you too, brother. My pleasure, man. Just a few days' time. Yep. Here it comes. I just want to say, before we get started with a piece of the action, and you clink your ice cubes, mm-hmm. um, they don't call me the king of the Segway for nothing. Wasn't that beautiful? I'm just going to put myself in the back right now. I'm thinking maybe the king should show up at the party too then. Oh. Hey, thank you very much. Oh, oh <laughs> we, we got to win this race. Hey, I've got some pins to give away. Hold on, hold on. Hey, baby, i got to give away some pins. <laughs> Somebody get me another jelly donut. i got to say, it was great talking to Lou uh, about the party. Um we can't wait to to reunite with with everybody over fan sets in the coming days. And uh, it's just going to be such a great time. And and we're going to blow the roof off that place, just like Lou said. Uh-huh. We really are. It's going to be a night to remember. We hope everybody comes out and joins us. Uh, Dan, you know I love Las Vegas. I've been at least 25 times in my life. You know I love the history of the mob and organized crime in Las Vegas and in general. And what better episode to send us off on our way to the city in the desert than a little mob episode in the original series itself. And of course, I speak of a piece of the action. It's a, this is probably one of those episodes that is universally loved for the most part. Would you agree? I would definitely agree. It's not only is it one of the most loved, in my opinion, it is the funniest of the original series episodes, maybe all of Star Trek. It definitely had its, it's definitely, you know, solid with comedy. And I think, and obviously they did that on purpose, but it just works. And the story itself is a great 
Star Trek story in in and of itself. So yeah, that, I don't think this. I've never run across anybody who didn't like this episode. I haven't either, but I mean, I suppose the champion rule has to come into play at some point, right? Exactly. Um, I think that this is one of those things that Star Trek has always done really well. After a few serious or very dramatic episodes, they would kind of relieve the tension a little bit with a story that was a little lighter. And in this case, you get something that is really designed to make you laugh a little bit. Um, and, and a piece of the action is one of those. Trouble with Tribbles is one of those. I'm going to put you on the spot here really early on in the episode. Okay. Um, which do you think is the better comedic episode, Tribbles or action? I think action. Really? I, I really do. I mean, there's so much um, nuanced humor in this. I mean, just the way that Kirk, the, the looks that Shatner gives as Kirk in so many of the scenes, um, how he talks about, you know, when, um, when they, they first called down right at the beginning of the episode and the guy says that they can, uh, you know, transport down to the, to the intersection with the yellow fire plug and Kirk's like, oh, yellow fire plug, it's going to be hard to explain. I mean, just those type of things throughout the episode, the, um, the banter back and forth, the fact that Spock can't get the right wording right, right? Check. And just all of those things. It's, I just, I just love it. I, I think it is, I think it is the funnier of the two. <laughs> That's interesting for me. I always think Tribbles has been a little funnier. Um, partly because Kirk is a little more over the top as Kirk <laughs> and not necessarily as Kirk trying to be Chicago gangster Kirk. Now, don't get me wrong. It's, it's funny. It's hilarious. I love it. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I dislike it in any way, but for me, it's always been the other one. So I find that interesting that you feel that particular way. One of the reasons I feel that way is, is Tribbles is, there's some hilarious parts of that, but you're right. Kirk is over the top Kirk, but also he's just such a jackass to, um, uh, oh, what's the guy's name? I'm, it's, I'm drawing a blank right now. The guy who's who's basically telling him that it's his fault that the grain was poisoned. Uh, Commissioner Barris. Thank you, a Barris. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's just like he's like over the top, ridiculous in my mind. But uh, all the things and piece of the action are just great. I love the wardrobe. I love the uh, uh, I love uh, Vic Tayback um, as Krakow. I just everything in this episode works for me, and the humor is just just an added bonus. This is one of those episodes where we don't necessarily need to dive in on the episode. We can literally just talk about favorite moments. So one of the things we did prior to recording this episode is we put a post out on social media saying, what's your favorite moment? Because this is one of those universally loved episodes. Mm -hmm. And I figure we can use that as the springboard for our conversation. You've brought up one of them just now. And that is Vic Tabak from the TV series Alice years Mm -hmm. later. Yep. As Jojo Krakow. Um, he is absolutely fantastic in this episode. This is the first time I ever saw him in anything. So when Alice oh. started in the 70s on CBS, I remember saying to my mom, hey, that's the guy from Star Trek. <laughs> 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 but I think that they cast the mobsters in this episode absolutely perfectly. Oh, absolutely. And um, espe- I don't know. I don't know the guy who plays um, Oxmix, but he is he I mean, he just bleeds a mobster. 
the way that his, his voice is very deep and 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 kind of scary and the he's always got a toothpick in his mouth and he's playing pool but he's not playing pool really because he just takes the ball and puts it wherever he wants and then just hits it and sometimes he doesn't even hit the cue ball sometimes he hits one of the other balls it's just it, you don't want to mess with the guy and and the other thing that's good and, and you can see me on camera and people might be able to picture this is he really takes his glasses off in a mobster stylish way like uh uh, how do you know about Krakow? He just like rips his glasses off and it's just like, wow, that's just awesome. I love the guy. <laughs> that's a, the guy who played Bella is an actor named Anthony Caruso who actually just passed away in 2003. He was oh. a, yeah, he was 86 at the time, but he is one of those actors that shows up all over television in the seventies and eighties. He pl- has played a variety of, of, you know, mobsters. He's played a variety mm-hmm. of cops, which I find really interesting. <laughs> that um, is interesting. Yeah, he's played just about everything, and he turns up in some of the you know the the, the most memorable shows of, of all time: Bonanza, Rawhide, hmm. Perry Mason, Wow, The Adams Family. So we're talking like real golden age of television stuff: hmm. Gomer Pyle, Star Trek, obviously, Green Acres, Nanny and the Professor. <laughs> oh, okay. This guy's resume is is just a cross section of of television. He stopped acting in 1990. Um, so I, I think that's really fascinating. Lots of voice work too, especially for, uh, remember the, uh, the old Hanna-Barbera show Yogi's space race. I, I remember it so vaguely uh, that I barely remember it. He, <laughs> he did voices in Yogi's space race. So, I mean, wow. he's clearly an actor that, that has done a lot of stuff and he's just perfect casting as Bella. He gives you that Chicago mobster that you expect. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I love how he's able to, um, I mean, obviously he's a good actor. He's been doing, he did so many, so many things, but just the, the little jabs that he throws in kidnapped him, you dope. And then he calls Spock a dummy. And it's just, it's just, it's awesome. It's one of, that's what I think makes this episode so funny for me. I rewatch, I will be honest with you last night in the new living room, my wife and I watched it because I wanted to prepare for the recording. I was in stitches listening to parts of these different uh to different parts of the episode that was one of them when he when he kidnapped him you dope i'm just dying because it's just it's so not something that you would expect in star trek but it works so good in this episode it really does and and i think the other thing that sells this episode are the reactions from spock and mccoy in those scenes now granted shatner is just chewing scenery the whole time in this episode and it works Mm -hmm. it does but what really sells it are the reactions behind him, especially, uh, especially Spock, because you want to talk fish out of water. Spock just doesn't think any of this makes any sense. And I, I think that he's got to wonder why they're even there. Well, one of the best aspects of that is when they're being held prisoner by the, by the thugs. And he's going to start talking about the card game from, I forget what planet it was, but Spock's like, Captain, I am familiar with the, <laughs> what goes on. And Kirk's just like, Spock, Spock. <laughs> and it's just, it, that's a perfect, what you just said is perfect. That's a perfect example of that. Spock is completely out of his element. And what makes it even better is when he tries to fit in when he's dressed up in the zoot suit and he's got the machine gun and he's trying to talk with the slang. It is, it just works perfectly in this episode. So, you mentioned the card game. Let's go there because that, of course, as you can imagine, is a huge favorite of just about everybody that's seen this episode, and that's Fizbin. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I have never been able to explain the rules of Fibson, but apparently Quark thinks he can. <laughs> yes, he did. Re- he did. Was it the ascent? He talks about it. It yeah. was. Yeah, absolutely. And that was that's a great throwback from that from that episode to the original card game. And we've talked about the rules of the game and how Kirk contradicts himself like almost instantly when he's trying to explain the uh, the rules of the game to the guy that he's that he's uh, setting up to 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 knock out so that they can escape. I think it's it's hilarious. See, I've never looked at it as him contradicting himself. I'm looking as he's just talking off the top of his head because this guy isn't following a word. He could have said that the sky was brown <laughs> and this guy would have hinged on his every word. So yeah. I, I think that for me, uh, I've, I can see why you see it that way. And I guess I don't necessarily disagree, but I've always looked at it as Kirk just using a different kind of word foo. I, I can definitely agree with that. And of course, for people that have seen the episode a thousand times like we have, and you and and not that we do this, but to hinge on every single word that's being said, oh, he just said something then that was completely not what he said a second ago. I don't I don't look at it like that, but I just think it's funny that he goes, you know, if you had gotten a jack, then that would be a problem. But then he throws a jack and he's all excited for the guy because he got another jack. <laughs> I, people can't see your face. I can for the first time and just the look on your face. Just I love it. Sold that almost as well as Shatner did. That was fantastic. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. No, no, you're welcome. Um, another one of the absolutely legendary scenes in this episode is, well, James T. Kirk may be an excellent starship commander. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Yes. Um, the driving scene. And it's it's a gag. I mean, let's be honest about what this is. Mm-mm. This is not anything that propels the plot along, but this is funny and it's worth the price of admission. Yeah. And I've never seen somebody pop the clutch so many times going down the street as, as Kirk does in that car. Uh, and it gives it, it's another opportunity for Spock to throw humor in when he's not trying to throw humor in, which is yes. why it works so perfectly, um, especially when they're leaving. And they're gonna. Tr- they need to get somewhere, and and Spock is literally hesitant about getting back into the car. And Kirk's like, "Ah, oh, no problem. I got it all taken care of." And the first thing he happens, he throws it in reverse by mistake again, just like he did the first time he got in the car. Just awesome. One of the things that I appreciate appreciate about Spock throughout this entire episode is the way he just follows Kirk's lead. Yeah, it, it is not logical for him to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it, he just he goes with it, and it makes for one of the greatest comic elements that Star Trek has ever had. Yeah, I know. Right. Right. Check. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Every, I I mean, even let's go, let's, let's not talk about the planet for a second. Let's talk about what's going on in the enterprise. Scotty, Jimmy Dewan is hysterical in this episode. Because he has no idea what the heck Kirk is talking about, and the look on his face, and just the the things that he says, it's perfect. It's perfect, Scotty. I loved it. It really is. I love that you hear Jimmy doing twice, or it's two different characters in this episode. He's also the voice of the uh, radio commercial. There's another bang bang. Yeah, <laughs> when Spock and McCoy get to the the radio control, and ah, you flip this switch, and <laughs> here we go. <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell you something. I never knew that was Jimmy doing until just right now. Yeah. Jimmy did a lot of those type of voices, even like some of the aliens, like the, uh, Oh God, the aliens at the beginning of, uh, of specter, the gun, uh, the Metrons. No, that's, um, that's arena. 
Oh, that's right. Sorry. Yep. Oh gosh. Now you throw me on the spot. Stump yeah. the geek question. But Jimmy did a lot of those episodes and, and did even more episodes for the animated series too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yet we digress. Jimmy's <laughs> performance as Scotty in this episode is just absolutely legendary. I love it, especially when they start beaming the other mob bosses in <laughs> and he has no idea what Kirk's talking about. Yep. We're going to find the guy on the other end of the heater. The blower. <laughs> oh, the blower. I'm sorry. Yeah, the heater's the phaser. Yeah. It's 50 years, and I still don't know which is what's what. <laughs> Flag me. <laughs> it's just great. And everybody gets a chance to shine in this episode, and they and and nothing is nothing is dropped. I don't think no. anybody dropped the ball on this. Even McCoy. McCoy doesn't really have a lot to do in this one, but he does a good job with what he what he does have to do. But McCoy gets probably the best moment of, of the kicker scene at the end of the episode, you know, where he's oh, like, yeah. uh, I, I, I don't know what I did with it. Yeah. He's like, what? You know? Um, and then of course the, the whole freeze frame at the end of this episode, <laughs> it's like naked gun. <laughs> <laughs> so back when I was a kid, I used to refer to Star Trek episodes that ended like that as having Star Trek laughing syndrome. Yes. And it doesn't necessarily do it in this episode, but the freeze frame is so egregiously long that I expected them to just start doing this. <laughs> it's just, I, I waited for that. And when the yeah. credits started, I'm like, oh, okay, that's what we're doing now. That's what we're doing now. Um, did you know that the idea for this episode came from Gene Roddenberry jotting down a one sentence synopsis titled president Capone. On really? The very first page of his very first star Trek series proposal in 1964. I, I, as Johnny Carson would say, I did not know that. That is some really wild stuff. Uh, thank you. Memory alpha. Wow. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. Huh. Yeah. I, um, I think that that's pretty fascinating. This is an episode that, that kind of reaches into star Trek lore and we see it, at, at various points or references to it throughout Star Trek. So, you know, in, um, in deep space nine, we see a Daedalus class model of the USS horizon, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty cool. Travis Mayweather has a hardbound copy of Chicago gangs. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In his quarters, which That's is the same awesome. book they had on the ECS horizon. Yeah. Um, we see some site to site transport here, which is pretty mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. But, if you remember this, and you may or you may not, I don't know how big a gamer you were back in the day, but the entire plot for the Star Trek 25th anniversary video game on the Nintendo gaming console is born out of this episode. You know, I had it and I played it, but I I don't I don't remember the the uh, what the whole premise of the game was. So they are in the space around Sigma Iosha 2, or at least they're in that system, and they're thrown outside of known space. When they finally get back at the end of the game, they find that McCoy, having left his communicator behind, was responsible for the entire incident, and they go back in time to receive it for, uh, to get it back from the gangsters. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Wow, that's pretty cool. Because I always thought that, oh my gosh, he left the communicator there. They're going to have to go back and revisit this at some point to see what's happened, but they never did. Well, they almost did in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. 
So for the anniversary episode that was eventually Trials and Tribulations, the idea was pitched that they would go back to Sigma Iosha 2. And instead of a planet full of mobsters, they would find a planet full of TOS uniforms. Oh, man. That would have been great. That would have been very interesting <laughs> to see. Wow. But I do, I do love Trial and Tribulations. That's pretty good. Well, I do too, right? Yeah. But how cool would that have been just based on the communicator? I mean, we know in this episode that the the Iotians are, you know, that the, they copy things. Right. You mm-hmm. know, it, it's how they get by in their society, which raises a whole bunch of other questions in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do these people learn to eat? <laughs> did somebody have to stop off on the planet and show them how? <laughs> okay. You wow. Know, yeah. Um, and the book only provides two dimensions, so it's interesting that they had three dimensions to these things. But I think it would have been really cool if Cisco and company had somehow shown up on Sigma Iosha 2 and discovered a Starfleet planet circa TOS. That would have been pretty awesome. I, I, somebody should write a book since we're not going to see it on the screen. That would be kind of cool. Where's Dayton? <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I think that this idea was even kind of used in the Worlds of the Federation book, um, where the Iotians were theoretically had recreated much of the TOS Federation technology. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it's kind of in there. I don't know that we'd ever see a, a, a novel about it, but I mean, there's comics that go back there. There's the whole nine, all from this one episode, which That's amazing doesn't really advance the 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 lore of Star Trek per se, right? But it is that memorable and that loved. Wow, that's really amazing. Um, you know what one of my favorite things about this episode is? I've touched on it just a little bit, but it's one of my favorite things, but I'm also going to make I'm also going to after we discuss it, talk about the huge mistake in the episode that oh. I noticed last night. Let's hear it. And that's the wardrobe of Kirk and Spock. I think you and I next year should cosplay as Kirk and Spock at STLV with those zoot suits, my oh, friend. Oh my. I love them. The the felt hat that Kirk has, the blue one. I just think it's phenomenal. I love it. You know, I didn't realize it was necessarily felt uh, it, well, until it I saw be. it. Well, no, until I saw it on Blu-ray. Oh, okay. Because yeah. it absolutely looks like felt. It's. I, I just think that the suits, the, the stripes, it's, it looks cool. I just, I've always loved the wardrobe in this episode, but... The big mistake that I found out last night, and I watched it and rewound it and, and verified it with Sue, right at the very beginning, when they beam down to that intersection with the yellow fire plug, and the guy comes out and says, put your hands over your head, or you ain't going to have no head to put your hands over, okay? Yeah. So they're walking to where they're going to go meet Oxmix, and Krakow hits, hits him, puts on a hit. Yep. And the guy in the blue zoot suit gets gunned down. He goes, He gets shot and goes flying into the newsstand behind them. But 10 minutes later, when they're at Oxmix's place and they're uh, talking about uh, Krakow hit us, boss. Oh, you you hit him. You hear me? All right. That guy's standing there. And that's the guy <laughs> that Kirk takes the, unit, the suit, suit off of and he puts it on. So he died, but he came back really quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's the, the, what, what can we say? They, they learn how to reincarnate themselves at some point. <laughs> yeah. Because yep. they just they copy things, Dan. Okay. All right. They're well, maybe, it was, maybe it was like Wayoon and that guy was like on uh, uh, Thug Number Nine or something like that. <laughs> thug Number Nine. <laughs> oh, man. That's fantastic. Um, <laughs> I I have almost have no idea what to say. That's, that, that's fantastic. Um, I I think one of the things that in watching this again to, to talk about it 
this week. One of the things I guess that was really surprising to me was how um, to invoke a term mission log uses on occasion, how Gumby like the enterprise phasers are. (laughs) Okay. Because apparently they'll do anything you want them to do, including stun people within a two block radius from space. Yes. And not only will they stun in a two block radius, but they the phaser beams themselves will actually hit the two cars in that two block radius that are gunfighting each other. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody in the building's absolutely fine. Exactly. Just watching, yep, watching out. Oh, look at what happened. They could be dead if we wanted them to be. <laughs> <laughs> but that was one of the things that made me go, eh, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's fun. I'm not going to really nitpick it, but they don't really do it after that. Uh, no. They kind of do it a little bit before that, but it, it's not the same. It's not the beams hitting the you know the the people on the planet. And did we ever actually see the beams like that again? We actually the, the handheld phase was when they stunned when Kirk and Spock stunned the mobsters uh, at Krakow's uh, place. Kind of had that same pinkish effect uh, that we saw with the giant with the Enterprise phasers when it hit the two block radius. But I don't think yeah. we ever saw them like that again. I don't think we did either. Hmm. Um, Interesting. And of course, if we're forgetting, somebody's going to tell us, and that's cool too. Yeah, very much so. Because with 50 years and 700 hours of TV, there's no way we're going to remember it all, man. <laughs> not after my margarita anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm drinking water and I'm not going to remember it. So I don't think oh. it's got anything to do with your alcohol consumption. Excellent. Oh, that's good. I, I look at it this way as you're priming your liver for Las Vegas. It's, it's, yeah, I like that. I'm going to prime it. I'm going to prime it some more. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're off tomorrow, so you can. That's true. That's true. Um, one other thing I will say. Yeah. And and I've said, I think I've said this with every single episode that I've watched over the last year or so. Watching these episodes in the remastered versions is stunning. There's not a lot of exterior shots in this episode, but the, the ones that we do see are magnificent when the very opening scene, when the enterprise is pulling into orbit around the planet, I, I will never be able to give enough credit to Mike Kakuda and his team for what they did on these remasters because they just look phenomenal. It really is gorgeous. I, I can't deny that one bit. You know, it's, it's kind of forgettable in the original broadcast version mm-hmm. because it's that stock shot. Yes. You know, uh, and that's fine. We've seen it a million times, but each of these remastered episodes has a unique shot. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one of the things I really dig about it is that it feels like we're experiencing new planets every week. It feels yeah. like we're in a different place as opposed to just seeing the same old footage of the enterprise you know, achieving standard orbit. Yeah. So I, I, I love everything about this episode and I love everything about the remastered version. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you watch the remastered version or did you go back and watch the original this week? No, I tell you to tell you the truth. I have not watched an original version since the remasters came out. It's been very, very rare because I usually watch them on Netflix and Netflix in the United States anyway, has them all as uh, the remastered version. I think CBS All Access has the originals, but I haven't checked. Um, I can't tell you the last time I watched one of the original ones, which, you know, some people may take as blasphemous, but I just think that it's it's amazing what they've done with the uh, the exterior and special effects with the remastered versions. I have to agree with you. I am. Um, I very rarely watch the original effects these days. Sometimes I will um, if I just want that nostalgic feel. Mm-hmm. But on that, I, I will dial up Netflix, even though I own the Blu-rays. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, it's just because it's easier. I don't, uh, this is going to sound really bad. This is really a first world problem, but I don't have to get up. <laughs> That's sad. I can but say it's the exact same way right here. I can say, Alexa, <laughs> show me Star Trek. And she does. Yeah, it's, it's great. I love Alexa. She's so helpful with stuff like that. Um, I just thought of one thing that I find quite funny, just thinking about the different scenes in the episode. So they're on this planet and and they're outside and it doesn't look like it's very cold. Everybody's, you know, just wearing suits and, and, yeah. and the ladies have nice dresses on. But the guys that uh, Kirk and Spock take the outfits from have long underwear on. <laughs> come on dan <laughs> dan oh. Dan. <laughs> i just it's just things that pop into my head every once in a while like that i got a lot of room in there there's lots it's cavernous, yeah. cavernous. <laughs> kind of like your new uh airy studios yeah it's very echoey i like that that's okay yeah. it's uh that you could use that as a warehouse dude Oh, oh well, then I'd be like Sigma Iosha too, and copying someone. I know, right? Uh, really? um, I said, forget where we were. <laughs> this episode just makes me happy, you know. Yeah, it does. Um, uh, <laughs> it's interesting that um, Sulu's not in this episode at all. No, he's not. That's right. Walter Koenig as Chekhov has one line of dialogue. Mm-hmm. It's the smallest speaking part he's got in the entire original series. Do you know what the line is? Entering orbit of Sigma Iosha 2. Very close. I should have made this a stump the gate question. Approaching Sigma Iosha 2, Captain. That's Thanks. It. That's okay. it. Close enough. And uh, <laughs> Billy Blackburn's character, Hadley, actually gets a name in this episode. Hadley. Yeah, that's what I just said. <laughs> oh, I thought we, you were asking me what we'd his name We'd seen was. him before, and he'd never had a name. Was he the guy behind Kirk? Uh, behind Scotty. Oh, behind Scotty, excuse me. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. I, I will say there was somebody sitting behind Kirk at one point, but wearing a blue science jersey, looked kind of like Spock, but obviously wasn't. But he was kind of like laughing at Kirk behind his back, or it looked like it. He was smiling or something. Maybe he had Kirk as a jerk on the back of his uniform. <laughs> <team. Yeah. laughs> Wrong episode. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, my, my bad. Uh. Um <laughs> we're so lost we, no you're lost I'm, I'm doing okay um i think it's a margarita talking um <laughs> one of my other favorite scenes and we've talked many times before about how star trek and kids just don't mix right however one of the best scenes in this episode is a scene that involves a kid it is a good scene yes so yeah. kirk and spock you know need to get past the guards at the front door and this kid comes up and offers to help them. Mm-hmm. And he puts on the works. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't believe this kid if he were there. I'd be like, yeah, kid, I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> daddy, daddy, I hurt myself. <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh, Spock, that's us. Come on. <laughs> Sonny. <laughs> yeah, Sonny. Sonny. <laughs> so 1920s. Who in the world calls their son Sonny? <laughs> yeah, see, Sonny. All I can think of is that Bugs Bunny cartoon with the mobster. <laughs> You know the one I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Yep. Shut up, rabbit. <laughs> shut up, uh, shut up. He's a cute kid, isn't he? <laughs> and, yeah. and the kid just wants, you know, and that's kind of where we get the episode title, a piece of the action to some extent. Of course. Or I have always thought so. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, that scene really is, uh, It's like we've been saying this the whole episode. That scene is just fun. How old do you think that kid is? These days? 
Um, well, in the, in, the, in the scene, yeah. How old do you think scene? he is? Yeah. Nine? And Ten? he has a switchblade. Well, it's it's <laughs> it's the mob of the 20s, right? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the worst facet of that era of Chicago kind of magnified. Right. So I guess I'm not entirely I mean, he could have had a machine gun. True. Yep. I'm sure that standards and practices probably weren't hip to that. Um, <laughs> but everybody's got a machine gun. Yes. Walking down the street nonchalantly with them. Tommy guns. Yeah. It's specifically Tommy guns. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's got them. It's like they, they're giving these things away on street corners. <laughs> well, you know, it's, uh, it's, um, Oxmus's territory. He's got the biggest in the world. <laughs> so <laughs> Kirk manages to effect an escape by wrapping people up in blankets. Tripping over copper wire. Yeah, so yeah, he creates a trip wire out of copper wire from a speaker. Okay, I'm with you so far. Twang. Pulls, pulls it out of a radio. Calls, uh, slams a trash can down. <laughs> calls the guards. In, and then... You're killing me. Proceeds to suffocate them? <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but he knocks them out. I mean, he's the he can knock people out with his ass. He, <laughs> He can knock people out with a two-foot drop kick. Apparently, uh-huh. he can also use a blanket. That's how yes. good James C. Kirk is. He is awesome. But when he's running down the middle of the road and has to jump over a crate that's in the middle of the road, <laughs> he then gets stopped and captured again. <laughs> All because he jumped over the crate. If he maybe sidestepped it. It would have been that delay of the jump. Caught, yeah. It would, the episode would have been over in like 12 minutes. I think he would have been fine. I don't know. I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> it's, I watched this episode at least three times before <laughs> recording this week and I, I can't help but laugh the entire time. Yeah. It's, it's great. It was fun for me to hear the reactions of people about what they love about this episode, because I think that we all love the same things. I mean, there's nothing you call out in this episode, or at least I can't as too corny because it's just, it's not possible with this script. Right. I agree. Do you have a couple examples of, of what some of the people like best when we posted on Camp Kittimer? I don't have it in front of me. I've been trying to find it, but I don't oh, want been, to be clicking too much. We've been going through it the whole episode. Oh, okay. I didn't know if there were specific ones. No, uh, all these things I've been bringing up, I've been pulling directly from the Camp Kittimer post nice. and the Trek Geeks Facebook nice. page post. But, you know, it's the suits. It's the freeze frame and laugh ending. It's Fizzbin. Mm-hmm. It's... um. Uh, Spock's the straight man to Kirk's, you know, not <laughs> comedic. Uh, Carlos Pedraza had one of my favorite ones, which was this, right? <laughs> Check. <laughs> and then, and then how Kirk waves him off. That's yeah. that's another yeah. great part of it. He's like, oh god, he just. <laughs> I you know, I, in our conversation, I don't know if you've ever noticed this over the last twenty five years. Whenever you say right, I you always say check. Check. Yes, you do. Yep. <laughs> That's right. You're my straight man. <laughs> uh, one oh, of by us, the way, yeah. can I break in on something just to let you know? Uh, the name of the aliens are the Melkotians, Inspector of the Gun. I, I wanted to say the Malcots, and I knew that wasn't right. Yes. So I was so close. So close. Uh, you know, I, I, if it was me doing uh, Geek the Stump, I would have given you some partial points. That's because I am challenged at trivia. <laughs> well, and, I looked it up now, so I guess. It's well, now I guess we know we can't use that for a question. No, I could use that for a question for you. You probably still get it wrong. I will absolutely get it wrong. I uh, I have no problems admitting that either. <laughs> so there aren't any real central questions to this episode, but no, it's um one of the things that I think is interesting to consider is would this episode have worked 
as as well if it had been any other time frame or or period of history. So what if it weren't the Chicago mobs of the 1920s? Well, the reason that we're doing this episode tonight is because we're leaving for Vegas in a couple of days with STLV. I think this would have worked as a mobster type uh, Vegas story. Um, oh, yeah. We- we saw how great they did stuff with uh, uh, Vic and uh, in Deep Space Nine with the with the '60s uh, mob, bada bing, bada bang, which we did last year for SCLV is a perfect example. I think that would have worked. Anything else? Uh, I'd have to really put some deep thought into that to see if it would uh, if it would um, work in some other type of genre. But uh, Vegas, I think, it definitely would have worked. I think that's true. I think the only other one it could have possibly worked in is a Western style episode. And it might have come across uh, in my mind a little bit like Back to the Future too. True, and then but then also would people be like, okay, well, I got to double check the the time frame, but Spectre of the Gun took place after this right. one, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure it did. Yeah. Um, but either way, I mean, uh, you probably couldn't do two Western episodes, and that's fine. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Spectre of the Gun is actually one of my favorite episodes because it's, it's one fantastic. of the f- first ones I remember seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really um, good. Let me ask you this in yeah. terms of, of no central questions, but this is something that I thought of last night uh, as the episode wrapped up. We know that the horizon was there a hundred years ago. Is it really the responsibility of Starfleet to fix what the horizon contaminated the planet with so long ago? I think it is, but I don't think it's Captain Kirk's job. That's why I say Starfleet. Um, well, but in, in that instance, he is Starfleet, right? I think that it belongs to uh, Starfleet Command to try to neutralize the effect that the contamination has had. But mm-hmm. you reach a point, I think, and, and maybe maybe I'm wrong, I don't know, where I don't think you can ever undo it. Right. And I right. think that by the time 100 years has gone by, I think maybe they're past it. I don't know. What yeah. do you think? Well, that's why that's what I thought, because I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, so unfortunately, because radio waves took so long, the Federation didn't get the message for 100 years, but yet they feel that they have to go in and fix something. It's been 100 years. It's not going to be undone. You can't undo it. It's I mean, whether it was done, whether it was wrong that it happened, it happened 100 years ago. So trying to go in and fix it, it's like the episodes that we've seen in in every uh Star Trek series pretty much where they're going to go in and they're going to take people and displace them and bring them somewhere else because a treaty with the Cardassians was signed or the Sheliac want their planet back. It's not something that you can just do overnight when somebody's been uh, entrenched, so to speak, uh, in their way of life for such a long time. And this, I think, was a good example of that. I have to agree with you. Plus, I mean, you have to consider that at least at this point, after 100 years have gone by, that that's a few generations, you know? Um, already there are, you know, entire eras of people that have been raised in this culture and progressively, and you don't really get to change that overnight. I mean, it's got to be a slow change of some sort, at least in the evolution, because I imagine it wasn't an overnight thing for the Ioceans. No. And, and what's great about this is, is it was a hundred years and, but they never evolved past the Chicago mobs of the twenties. Like they never got, you know, they're still driving the model T's, you know, they don't have Porsches and stuff now over a hundred years right. stuff. It's it just, they're stuck in that, in that time frame because like you said, because they copy, they don't know how to do anything themselves. 
perhaps this is an episode we'll consider in the future, but perhaps scripting the episode that starts to undo all of this on the fly, mm. or at least fleshing out the plot, you and I. I like you that. Know, I think that would be a really interesting exercise and uh, maybe a great discussion for a rainy day one of these days. I think that's a great idea. Make it so. Make it so. Dan, um, I'm very excited to be getting on a plane with you and <laughs> uh, in a, just un, a little over a day, quite frankly. And uh, despite the fact that we'll be encased in a metal tube streaking its way across the sky and I'll have to fight the urge to throttle you to death, um, I'm excited to be going to Vegas. Uh, okay. Wow. Uh, well, I'll take that as a compliment. If I can get you that agitated that you want to throttle me in a metal tube streaking across the sky, then I must be doing something right. I toast you, sir. (laughs) (laughs) But no, we're excited. We can't wait to get to Star Trek Las Vegas. If you're making your way to Vegas for the convention, please travel safely. But no, once you get there, you are going to be among friends. The entire building is nothing but Star Trek fans. So already you have something in common with everybody there. So don't be afraid to chat people up, you know, ask somebody what their favorite Trek is. I guarantee you're going to start a great conversation. I got to say, uh, it's to me. And I think to you, it's more than just being in a building full of friends. This is the, the year that we are in a building full of family. And I cannot wait to see all of that family again. It's been far too long and I really am looking forward to it. Absolutely. And please, if you see us at the con, and we're going to be there all on uh, the whole convention. Please feel free to say hi. Even if we're talking to other people, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. We'd love to get the chance to say hi and, and thank you for, for listening and, and downloading or even just to talk a little Star Trek. Um, I know that that's something we've done the past couple of years, Dan, where, where people have kind of surprised us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but please, if, if you happen to hear this and you, you happen to notice us at the con, please say hi. We'd love to, we'd love to hear from you. I don't think I can say that any better. Um, it, it's I get I get kind of choked up a little bit thinking about it, and I'm not I'm not joking when I say that. As it gets closer, I get more excited because of what you just talked about. People coming up to us, just surprising us, and having conversations that we we have had over the last few years when we're out there. And uh, I can't wait to see what the next chapter holds in just uh, just a few short hours, my man. We can't wait. And uh, we hope that everybody listening to this has a great convention weekend. And if you're not going to the con, you want to see what's going on, check out our social media. We'll be all over it, especially during the Fan Geeks party, Friday night, August 3rd. Dan, we would be incredibly remiss if we didn't thank our dear friends, the band Five Year Mission. Did you know, Dan, that we are giving away 10 copies? I said 10. 10. Not 9, not 11. No. 10. 10 copies of their brand new album year four at star trek las vegas probably on saturday but you know <laughs> I, I'm, I'm stammering just thinking about it um definitely want to keep an eye on social media for that because we're going to announce that we're somewhere and you got to find us to get a copy that's right and uh and we're we're gonna we're gonna be hiding so you're gonna have to really search for us no i'm just kidding we're not really gonna do that <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's 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 a great way for folks that we have not possibly met in person uh, to finally get to meet in person because we're going to send that message out and we're going to be camp somewhere, <laughs> camp get them or get it, and um and we we want to give away these these awesome albums because they are very awesome. Year four, five year mission. Um, speaking of five year mission, Bill. Yes, yes. 
Um, I, I gotta say, I was doing a doing some checking. This guy, he's a tough cat, that's for sure. You know, he owns the the largest territory in the whole world. But you know, that's the problem with having the biggest. There's always some punk trying to cut you out. You know, he ain't gonna be putting the bag on you anymore, Mister Smith. I gotta say, but uh, watch out because if you hit him, he's gonna hit you back. You hear hard. He's Bella Farks mix, the Fizzman champion of Sigma Iosha 2. <laughs> How does one become the, the, the Fizzman champion? I just, I got to know this. It, it took place on a Tuesday. That's all, that's all I know. At uh, night? Uh, 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 he didn't pull a shrunk, so I, I'm thinking. Could go either way. I don't know. I like so, it. So <laughs> please head on out to fiveyearmission.net, download all their albums. And like we said, if you're at STLV, keep an eye out because we're going to be giving year four away. But you can get your copy right now at fiveyearmission.net. Dan, we want to remind everybody that for more great discussion, people can head on over to the Tricorder Transmissions online at the tricordertransmissions.com. And of course, this is just for you, Dan, for all the news on all the Star Trek, yo. Please visit our dear friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode 146 of the Trek Geeks podcast. We do hope you all live long, prosper, and travel safely. For all the coconuts on all the palm trees, yo. I don't think that worked. (laughs) (laughs) There are palm trees in Las Vegas. And we'll see him very soon. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing one song for each episode of the original series. Download their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producer Bill Smith. For even more Star Trek discussion, check out Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery Companion, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and discoveringtrek.com. Bing bong! Hey, hey, hey! You got a wee bit of echo, laddie. A little bit of echo because I got a new house that doesn't have any furniture or decorations in it. That's uh, <laughs> okay. Hey, whatever works, right? But it's a it's a new studio. It's four hundred meg of download speed, so I ain't complaining, yo. <laughs> You're crystal clear, by the way. I love it. Fantastic. It's great because you know we got the all the wiring for network throughout the house, so we got it all set up. Uh, like two hours after we closed last week and the guy came in and I said, uh, we're going to have to have the modem downstairs. And he's like, Nope, I'll take care of everything. And it's awesome. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, great. So yeah, we've been just nonstop doing stuff since, uh, since Friday. <laughs> well, congratulations and Thanks. welcome home by the way. Thanks man. It's good to be home. Merrimack, New Hampshire. It's lovely. So now both Trek geeks are in the same city. I don't know if I'd call it a city, but a town, whatever town village for now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I finally for get down. Now. I finally get down here and then you're going to leave. <laughs> not right away. <laughs> no, I'll talk you into staying. No, you won't. No, I won't. I will not at all. <laughs> not even remotely. Okay. Well, that's I'm all right. Gonna, I'm going to take a screenshot of this. Hold on. Let's see how that came out. All right. 
this is riveting podcast. Yeah, it is. Uh, everybody listening, I'm glad you're listening because I don't know if I would be. <laughs> <laughs> we look like tools. Oh my god, I'm going to yeah. post that later. All right, excellent. I like it. Nice. Um, piece of the action. A piece of the action. So, as we record this, mm. it is Tuesday, July 30. I'm oh, sorry, Monday, July 30. Monday, July 30. And in just over a day, we're headed to Star Trek Las Vegas, baby. <sighs> and people are starting to get there now and they're posting and stuff like that. And I'm just like, oh, you know, I'm so glad to be moving into a new house, but I really, really would like to get out there because <laughs> it's because it's it's STLV, man. It's is this is this the definition of FOMO? I, it, I, I don't know. <laughs> is this fear of missing out? Uh, I, I, it almost kind of is, I think. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. I mean, it's just, you know, it's it's just seeing everybody. I'm just so excited to see everybody that we haven't seen in a year. So, I know. That's totally yeah. mind-blowing to me. Yeah, it is. So I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be good. Of course, I have to deal with you for five days, but whatever. Well, so now you have to get off that plane in Vegas and we got to hop in a cab as soon as we get the bags, get over to the Rio so you can actually get your photo up with Cole Media at 11 a.m. <laughs> I, I, I would like to um, just um, punch creation in the face for doing something like that. <laughs> hey, creation. Boom. That's it. Boom. Boom. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, I know I understand he's probably got a busy schedule and everything like that, but having him like first thing in the morning, the, the day that most people arrive and the day the convention actually opens is we're going to be, we're going to be scrambling. And you know how I'm going to be? I'm going to warn you right now because you know what I'm like. <laughs> people can't see me, but I just sat back in my chair and did a heavy sigh. <laughs> I, just, I do know, which is why I'm like, I'm going to stay with the bags. You go, you get in the con, <laughs> you get in line to get your photo, and then we'll sync up afterwards. Yeah, I'll take that. care of everything while you go get your photo done. All right. That works, man. You're the best. What choice do I have? I don't know. <laughs> and so, of course, now, because you know me, I, I don't even know why I'm like this, but I'm like this. So I'm in my closet now. Um, everything's packed, by the way. Everything's packed. But I had a couple of extra shirts that I didn't pack. So I'm like, okay, which one can I change into so I can get it with the picture with calm? <laughs> so, so I'm going with my blue Trek Geeks. No, just the just the Delta. That's the one I'm going to take with him. Nice. Yeah. Well, with my Deep Space Nine 25th anniversary pin on the other side. Oh, I like that. <laughs> See, huh? Thinking, always thinking. Well, always is a bit of a stretch, but okay. well, I'm always thinking, but it may not be making any sense. Well, that's pretty true all yeah. the time. So another boring story for all of our listeners, which I thought I'd like to share with you here on the on the outtakes. Can't wait. We had invisible fence installed today, so we already have that in. And so does this mean you can't leave your yard? <laughs> <laughs> we took the dogs out, and of course, unfortunately, we have to give them a correction so they know where the things where the where the flags are and everything yeah. like that. Yeah. So Aria is a drama queen. She had got hers, and she was like, bah, 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 and she was just like freaking out. Aria got hers and she was fine, but you know, she just yelped once and it was okay. But then later on when we were walking around the other side of the house, she got her leg tangled in the leash because we have them leashed still. Oh, and she was freaking out. She won't go outside now. <laughs> well, I'll give it time. <laughs> yeah. She's going to have to go to the bathroom sometime. <laughs> well, and so are you. So I'm going to the bathroom right now. So that's really more than we needed to know. <laughs> 
That's uh, I don't know what to do with this information. I'm a businessman, Pally. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, I uh, I I have no words. I mm. really don't. Are you uh, are you remotely ready to do this? I'm ready to do this, and I just remembered I have to get up at five thirty tomorrow because I forgot to do early bird. I, I told you to do early bird. I forgot. I looked at my reservation today and I'm like, hey, hon, uh, I forgot to do early bird. Did you look online? Yeah. Look at your original email because it doesn't show mine online either. And I did pay for early bird and I confirmed that today. Okay. I will do that after we record because recording is more important. And knowing is half the battle. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who said that. He's a very wise and sage observer of our times. Uh, Sheldon Cooper? Uh, G.I. Joe, actually. Oh, oh, all right. Good, good. Here we go. 